If you've invested in your business, chances are you've funded future growth potential through leverage and after filling out loan applications and undergoing credit checks. In the stock market, using debt is often called gearing. The new BetaShares Wealth Builder Funds, ASX ticker symbols G200 and GHHF, offer moderate gearing across Australian and global shares for investors who are comfortable with the higher risks associated with gearing their investments. You can discover how they work by visiting betashares.com.au. Please don't forget that gearing magnifies gains and losses, so read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Australian Business Podcast. I'm Daniel Golubev. I'm Jordan Kittis. I'm Owen Rask. We're here to help you make more profit, find work-life balance, save time, capital, and grow your business. Every week, we drop the best tax tips, marketing hacks, growth strategies, and methods to help you grow. If you haven't already, take the free Rask Business Course. Book a chat with me or Daniel at Grayspace. Or get in contact with us about business coaching. We also love hearing from you. So send us your questions and feedback using the resources found in the podcast player for each episode. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the Australian Business Podcast. Today, I'm joined by my co-host, Daniel. Jordan. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. What's been happening this week? Nothing. Good. It's all been um, busy, working on a few new softwares just to help with that advisory side of things. Just oh, yeah, cool. in a couple trial modes at the moment. I love three. I love things that are for free. The free trials. They're my favorite. So yeah, at the moment, just playing around, just trying to find the right sort of solution to sort of help with the advisory space, which has been fun. Um, yourself? Um, I've been doing a lot of SEO this week, so deep dive into it. I've taught myself, now it's just trying to execute. So I've written a couple of articles, so we'll see how they go in the coming yeah. months. Look out, Grayspace is coming with a social team yeah. before you know it. <laughs> <laughs> I know, just we need to be able to execute it. But um, just on what you were working on, that's going to be awesome. That software and the, I think the value we'll be able to provide to clients. It's more of those bigger clients that are ready to take that next step, tracking financials, KPIs. It's going to be awesome. So if anyone needs a hand with their business advisory stuff or any cash flow projections, anything like that, make sure you hit us up. So let's jump in today. We're doing the last episode in our structuring segment. So we've already done um, sole traders, partnerships, joint ventures and trusts. And today we're doing probably the most common structure we set up for our clients in terms of businesses and operations is companies. So your PTY, LTD, uh, private companies. So Daniel, do you want to just give a, uh, give everyone, a, I guess, a definition of what is a private company? A private company often termed proprietary limited or PTY, LTD, as Jordan just said, is a business structure that limits the liability of its shareholders. Its shares are not available to the general public and cannot be traded on the ASX, Mm. right? So more or less, it allows people to, you know, create companies without having to go through. Yeah, these strenuous 
processes. Yeah, or, or strenuous reporting through ASIC either. Yeah. So it gives sort of businesses the access to the benefits of companies, which is that sort of that limited liability, fixed tax rates, et cetera, without the huge costs sort of involved in going public. Yeah, yeah. Avoid that when you're starting off, <laughs> setting up a public company. Well, um, good luck getting investors yeah, as well though. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I guess in terms of setting up, it's still done through ASIC. So you still need to go through the process of registering a, a name. Um, if you've already got a business name as well, if you're, if you're a sole trader or you're, you've done a restructure and you've got an existing business name, you can still use that business name as your company. Call it, let's say it was you know Daniel um, Gulabev as a sole trader. You can do Daniel Gulabev Proprietary Limited as a company. So don't think that if you've already set that name up and registered it, you can't use it. So Yeah, you just got to be careful that it is actually registered. Because yeah. we've had a few sort of sole traders come about saying, oh, this is my business name, this is my business name without actually registering the business name only to find out that someone else is actually already using it. Yeah, it's a disaster. They've done all the branding, paid for all these websites and whatnot, and then it's- It's not available. Yeah, change everything. So yeah, make sure you you have registered your business name. Um, In terms of setting up again, um, a company has to have one director, at -hmm. least one director, um, and a shareholder. Mm -hmm. So in terms of a shareholder, you do have a few different options. Um, We did cover this a bit in the trusts, but- do you want to just run through the different types of shareholdings that you can have as a, a, a private company? Yeah. So the most common one is just the individual. So you own shares so in if a I, private organization. Yeah. So if I set up Jordan PTY LTD, I'll hold those shares in my own name. Correct. You've also got the option of holding them in a trust, right? So as an investment vehicle, um, if you want to know, so some of the benefits, I think we touched on it in that trust, but to, to reiterate, it generally helps in a family setting, which is where that family trust sort of election um, is really beneficial. So let's say, for example, all the the dividends used are going to be used for whether it's family trips, whether it's paying the mortgage, household bills, et cetera, then you're entitled to, you know, split that dividend over two people, use two lower tax brackets, you know, husband and wife generally the most common. Um, so trusts are very, very useful in that scenario. Um, the I think the main question that we get is why can't, you know, the husband and wife potentially hold it as 50-50 individuals, right? And the main answer to that is once it's 50-50, you don't have a choice on who gets more, who gets how much. If someone used more, someone used less, it's just, it is what it is. Yeah, there's no flexibility. Zero. So that's where the trust really comes helpful because you utilize lower tax brackets. You can maximize, you know, your tax benefits within the scope of law and, it's a win-win scenario, in yeah, my for, opinion. For sure, I agree. And it also gives you the ability, you know, further down the track, if things are going great and you want to park some money, you can set up a bucket company and that can, um, but again, you need the trust set up first because what what tends to happen is people set up the company and, you know, the trust is expensive at the start and they go, oh, no, no, no I just want individual shareholding because it costs you nothing. It's just the cost of the company set up and that's it. And then they start making money a year down the track two years down the track, this business now has value. And then a common thing is you get the call going, oh, I think it's time to use the trust. Well, it's not as simple as that. Yeah, no, it's not not as simple as that as well. And you also got you you also got to know that a company can also hold shares to another company. Hold. So there's, there's holdings companies as well that they're used as, as investment vehicles, very common in, you know, group scenarios where let's say, for example, there's, you know, Daniel Group, Holdings where one company will essentially own 
a lot of other private companies that may trade doing different things, all generating income, and then all pay a dividend down to the main holdings company. And then from the holdings company, that's what you earn. That's really common when a lot of the businesses could be high risk. So let's say you've got different branches of certain businesses. Chicken shops. So you have five chicken shops, five locations. Yeah. They all could by be the run. same group. Yeah. Different companies. Each chicken shop's a different company, all owned by the same group. That's sort of quite common as well. So in terms of sort of shareholding and ownership, as long as it's an entity, you can't own shares of that company. Yeah, for sure. So just to recap on that, it's either company has to have shares, an individual can hold those shares, a trust can hold those shares, and even another company can hold those shares. And we call that company a holdings, a holdings company. But again, there are rollovers that can apply if you do want to change down the track, but it's you need to speak to someone if that's what you're going to do. Because you need specific it's, advice yeah, for that. It's, it's not as simple as, oh, yep, I want to trust now. Or, oh, yep, I want a holding company now. It Unfortunately, it's not as simple as that. Yeah, and don't go to your accountant saying, Daniel and Jordan, an Australian business podcast told me I can. Because we don't know your personal yeah, yeah. situation. That's right. That's right. So everyone is, everyone's situation is very unique. So it's very important that when you are setting up a structure like this, especially if it's a more elaborate one, that you do get professional advice from your accountant or from um, your lawyer, whoever's setting up that structure for you. So yeah. when I'm governing a company, there's a director. And that director is, I guess, the sole, well, it depends. You can have multiple directors. It doesn't have to be one. Um, and those directors are essentially, um, they call the shots. So they, whether you're investing money, um, you're hiring, you're growing sales, the director is generally the underlying shareholder, whether it's used by user trust or a holdings company, usually in the same family group for these small, these smaller company, private companies. Um, again, it's different if it's a ASX listed company, but we won't dive into that. Yeah, we're not talking about that right now. <laughs> um, I guess to touch on some of the advantages as well of setting up a private company, what are your, I guess, top, what are your top two advantages? Top two is obviously the limited liability. I think that's the blatant selling point. Um, and what I mean by that is that business, business has risk. You know, there's a reason that business owners are, are you know, stand out sometimes and they're sort of maybe sometimes shunned upon for, for making too much money. But at the end of the day, they're the ones that took the risk. They probably went through a period of time with no money, mm. right? And now they're sort of reaching that reward, but part of that risk can, you can be liable for it personally, right? Whether it's um, faulty stock that came across, you know, you couldn't recoup funds, therefore you couldn't, you know, fulfill orders or you couldn't fulfill customer needs and then the customer gets, you know, obviously unhappy and tries to sue the business. Generally speaking, if it's not sort of, criminal in nature being, you know, negligence or anything like that, and it's in the scope of, you know, running a business, then you're not liable for it personally yeah. as a company. But as a sole trader, you are. They can come after you personally, personal assets, whether you've got a house, investments, shares, they can draw that in. And, you know, you're going down the line of bankruptcy if you can't sort of fulfill that debt. As a company, you can just send the company in liquidation. Yes, it's obviously not a good thing and you are going to be listed as a director of a previously liquidated company. It's got its own downfalls, but you can keep your house. Yeah. You can keep a roof over your head. You're not going to be personally bankrupt. You're not going to lose everything. Your personal assets remain safe. So that's probably the number one thing. So even if turnover is quite low, I always recommend people that go into high risk endeavors 
always set up as a company. For sure. Um, number two is obviously the tax benefits. I think the fixed tax rate is really, really useful. Um, number one, because you can pay yourself a wage, meaning you don't lose the lower tax brackets or the marginal rates. And then you're capping. Do you want to dive a bit deeper on that? So like in terms of like, yes, we've got the company set up and the, but what you just said, the wage. So what does that look like? If let's say I own a company, I'm the director. Mm-hmm. Um, what would that look like as me drawing a wage and like how would I take other money if I want to take other money? Yeah, so the wage is simply a wage. Like if you're an employee of yourself and you need, you know, call a $1,000 a week mm-hmm. um, to live off, then you can pay yourself $1,000 a week, process a wage, pay your super, you're an employee. Simply put, except you're sort of just calling the shots. Um, Then additional funds, you've also got sort of other options, whether it's dividends, bonuses, you've got flexibility on how to treat that. Um, As a a sole trader, which is probably the closest comparison, you can't do that. You can't pay pay yourself a wage. Like for example, I'll get sole traders come through, oh, I pay a wage. It's like, you transfer money from one account to another, you're not paying a wage. Like they're very different terms. Um, And you start seeing experienced business People don't, they know the difference. So I think it's important for most people to know the difference that as a sole trader, you you are you, you simply have an ABN, you are the business. Company, you've got a separate legal entity, you have a representative, you are simply a representative of a company, right? Um, so I think they're my top two benefits, the fixed tax rates, to utilize the lower tax brackets and the, the limited liability. For sure, for sure. I think for me, there's a there's probably on the, I'll name two. Um, it's pretty much indefinite in terms of the the life of the company. Um, call it talking a bit grim, but if you were to if you're a sole trader or a partnership and someone you were to pass for whatever reason, um, that's it. The business is essentially cease, ceases to exist. Whereas for a company. It's indefinite. You keep paying your ASIC fee every year. You can change directors. You can change shareholders. And the show continually goes on 10 years, 50 years, 100 years. The show goes on. So I think in, in, in terms of it being permanent, it has that ability to be permanent. Yeah. And in, in saying that as well. So, for example, if you're running a business with someone yeah. and a third person comes along and has this amazing skill set that can add a new service line or add value to you, if you're a partnership, your partnership has to dissolve for this third person to get involved. It literally needs new ABNs, yeah. new structures, redo the business. Your name. licensing. Licensing, everything has to change. Whereas with a company, nothing changes. Mm. You sell shares or issue new shares to this new business owner and all of a sudden it is just as much theirs as, as it is yours. Yeah. So from, like I agree, the permanency point of view, it's you're not fixed to just you. Yeah, that makes sense. And you can expand, like you yeah. said, bring on other people, different skill sets and grow the business. Mm-hmm. And it's just a lot easier. Um, and the, the second one for me is probably, oh, it is credibility. Now, what do I mean by that? Let's say I am a, um, I run an electrician business and I'm going to a T1 builder. I want to work on, I don't know, Meriton or something, something huge. If I'm a sole trader, Good luck. You're, yeah. not, you're not even getting past first screening. Yeah. No one's, you could have, you could be making $10 million in turnover as yeah. a sole trader yeah. and they won't even ask for your records because you're right. You're, you're not credible yeah. a, a, according to most and, business and owners. Exactly. And it gives you that enhanced 
credibility, like perception of credibility and professionalism. If you're a company, you're registered for GST, mm. you've got your own insurance policies, your own workers' comp policies and all of that. When you're going for these bigger jobs or even, they don't even have to be bigger jobs, but when you're trying to win more work from other companies or other businesses, it just gives that perception. Well, at the start, you're always playing the game of putting off that you're bigger than you actually are to be, yeah. say, you know, I am a professional in my space. I am good at what I do. And I have a big business according to that. Yeah. Even if you've started a month ago, <laughs> it's completely false. Um, I think you're right to the, the third party or call it the naked eye. They're like, it's a company. They've spent time. They've spent money. They've registered for GST. They're turning over decent money. Yeah. So why wouldn't I use them? How are they any less credible than the next company I Google? So I, I agree with you. I think it's really, really important, especially if you're winning work that's non-organic. And when, what yeah. I mean by that is word of Outside of word of mouth leads, if it's coming from any other source, whether it's Instagram, Google, um, podcasts, whatever, yep. right? If you do a quick search and it's just a sole trader, all of a sudden, uh, I know I do it personally. Yeah, I do too. It's just a small business. Call it bad, call it whatever you want, but yeah. you go, oh, no, yeah, okay, small uh, business. Can they handle what I'm going to give them? Not can they for GST. So yeah. They haven't turned over that much. You know, how how new are they to business? I yeah. agree. It's, you know, yeah. call it bad, but- It's, it's like going to a restaurant that's empty. You don't <laughs> want to go in. <laughs> yeah. You want to go to the one that where the line's out the door. Yeah. It's like, oh, is, is it that good though? Yeah, nine times out of 10, it's not. I've made that mistake before, but that's yeah. for a different story, <laughs> not on this podcast. <laughs> um, but I agree. I think the credibility part is really, really important. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, you know, uh, I don't, when you talk about setting up a company, it's not something that's really spoken about a lot, but I think it, I think it's a big benefit once you do set it up. I think it, it gives you that perceived likelihood or value, whatever you want to call it, that you are bigger than what you are, so. And I don't know, this is me sort of personal. I don't know if everyone agrees with it as well. But once you're committed to something, the chances of you taking it seriously and putting everything you can into it increase. Yeah. Right? If you spend some money to, you know, create a company and you're going through this and you get like the first hurdle, you're not going to stop. You're going to go, I don't care. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm this far in. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. But if you're a sole trader, you spent no money to get involved, you're just doing it because you can and you face a hurdle, the chances of you walking away are so high. Yeah. You know what? This is too hard. It's not worth it. Yeah, for sure. I it agree. could be as simple as, you know, I don't understand the software that I'm using, so it won't work. Too hard. Too hard basket. Next shiny, so, next shiny object. Yeah, maybe yeah. I'll try next year. So yeah. I, I think once you've gone through the process of setting up and going, I am running a business, you, you, you know, slam the table with your fist like, I am doing this. Slam it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're right. I, I think the chance of you succeeding uh, all the more just, just slightly better yeah. straight away. Yeah. And just on that, like there are also challenges as well. It's not as simple as, you know, set it up, everything's all hunky-dory and, and you're good to go. It, setting up a company structure from a, I guess, a, a tax and a cost perspective, it does get a little bit trickier from a tax perspective and more complex and it is more expensive than setting up as a sole trader. So when you're setting up a company, it's got, to, you got to do it, uh, it. The company has its own tax return. You got to do financial statements. There's business activity statements. If you are registered for GST, um, insurances, insurances are more expensive. You have to get more insurances, workers comp and whatnot. So it's not a, it's not a super simple thing to, to just set up and, and off you go. Yeah. I, th I think companies are there for people who are ready to take their business serious. Yeah. Because I've never seen accounting fees or anything like that send a business into liquidation. No. Like I've never seen it, no. realistically speaking. Um, I've never seen 
you know, ASICs, $300 per annum fee. They keep going up. They keep going up. It's killing me. Yeah. That's never hurt anyone that much to the point where go, I I failed as a business because the fees of keeping a company alive were too high. It's it's not the case. Yeah. And if you're not sure, start as a sole trader. Yeah. Test test it out. Yeah. Test your, you know, space or taste, test the area that you want to work in first and then move into a company. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So it's, it's not common. The, I think we all did that. Yeah. I think everyone at some point in time started as a sole trader. So uh, let's just make some extra money. And then go, oh, yeah. this works. Company. Yeah. Just be, con- just be conscious on that. Like if you're buying assets, if your business is heavy on equipment or machinery or whatever it may be, there can be implications there as well. But that's why it's so in, we're just trying to stay high level here because it can, it gets complex. So it's really important that you do reach out and speak to a professional um, because every scenario is different. So don't take what we're saying here as, as gospel because there can be a little thing that, that's being done in your specific business where something we're saying m- may not apply or it can be completely different. So just just keep that in mind. Yeah. Or if you're looking to grow like straight away, like, all right, cool, I'm going to put, let's say you're a plumber. I love using plumbers as an example. Mm. Let's say you're a plumber, you've got an employee now, you've bought a car for him, you fitted it out, you're ready to send another maintenance fan on. Maybe set up as a company first. Yeah. Yep. Then do that. Yep. Exactly right. Now keep in mind- you know, what you're planning to do yeah. with the with the business. I think I, I, this is slightly separate and probably worth an episode on its own, but like how important it is to goal set, plan and, you know, run through the motions and not just to be ad hoc and, yeah. hey, I'm busy. I'm going to put someone on tomorrow. Yeah, move from that side hustle mentality to that full-time yeah, business mentality for sure. And look, it is more expensive to set up a company um, as opposed to a – a sole trader ABN because that essentially costs you nothing. Um, so the, look, the cost is a bit more um, and the director's duties. Now I know we did mention that, you know, you, you, you're you not liable if something was to go wrong, mm-hmm. but there are scenarios where a director can be liable. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. So if you're not paying- the Easiest one is super. super yeah. Don't pay, <laughs> don't pay the super on your employees. The director is personally liable because your responsibility as a director to make sure that the employees are paid. Yeah. And it seems like that's slowly like this- corporate veil call it um where you know you have protection as a, a company is slowly getting reeled back because now it's pay what the tax on wages you can be liable for that and gst, GST if you lodge your gst yeah. i think it's more than three months after the lodgement date if it's late you can be personally liable for that as mm-hmm. well so it's really important to stay on top of all of your your tax compliance as well as a director the, uh, let me sort of just to make it easy for everyone if you're going into a company structure to take advantage of a system, you're doing it for the wrong reason. Yeah. So, you know, like, uh, like realistically speaking, you you will be held personally liable for things you're doing incorrectly. Yeah. Or sure. things that you're doing wrong. And there's no corporate veil to protect you for that. And there used to be. And I think that's why there's so many of these changes that are occurring now because people were taking advantage of it. Yeah. And what's happened now is that businesses now have more risk or directors have more risk. Yeah. going into it from the few people that decided to take advantage of a situation. And like, For sure. Like I tell you know clients all the time, the, the goal isn't to reduce your tax bill or reduce the tax component or get the most out of a scheme. The goal is to generate the most net income after tax possible. Yeah. That doesn't come from scheming. Yeah, that's right. That's it can, right. but- you can talk to those people in jail, not on a podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the most recent one that went before the courts is, uh, I think it's called Platypus Payroll. 
That was the um, the Dunny. wages. Yeah, in Miranda. But anyway, that's a whole different story. And yeah, I can't believe it went on for that long yeah. before it got. Yeah, exactly. Sort of pinned and he got charged because that was blatantly illegal. Yeah, in any way, shape, or form, and no structure should be able to protect people like that. For sure, it's um, you know, do the right thing. Have those bank accounts set up that we we talk about um, because that'll help you from getting into that hole. If it was to like, mm. you're always going to have the money put aside there. Um, so when it time the time does come, you've got the money there to uh, back to, back to planning. Yeah, you're right, spot on. So yes, there are more um, complexities in terms of tax, but if you've got the right strategies in place, like you said, planning, mm -hmm. you've got your bank account set up properly, your zero files going properly, your payrolls being done properly, you should be putting that money aside so none of this can go wrong. Essentially, can I, can I tell you some of the people that do this the best don't even understand it fully. It is the fact that they've, they, they know it's there. They're yeah. not naive to it. Yeah. It's like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to pay an accountant. I want to, if I've got questions, I'll email, call, ask questions, but sort of more importantly, they're just not naive. They don't, some people, I've got a lot of clients that still don't understand it. And I was like, I've, I think I've spoken to you about this like mm. maybe 10 times now. Yeah. Um, but they still do the right thing. Yeah, that's And right. they still don't understand it, but they're still managing to do the right thing simply by planning to do it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, look, in terms of, I guess, to wrap up, when setting structures up like this, it, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend doing it by yourself. Like I know, you, I know there's companies now where you can go on there and just register it and it's done. I'd really consider, or I'd strongly consider reaching out to a professional because it's not as simple if you've got plans and you know your business is going to take off you've got plans to open up different stores or different branches whatever it may be you need to get professional advice i think i can confidently say two out of three businesses that set up themselves go through a restructure yeah in, in the near future of speaking to a professional and the number one thing they say is like, i just wish i paid for it yeah for i sure. wish i just got it done yeah like because now you're changing abns you're doing, going through different motions you might have extra taxes to pay um, there's additional fees to pay. It's cheaper and easier to do it properly from the start than it is to fix the problem after the fact. Yeah, for sure. I agree. I think um, it's not somewhere to skimp out on at the beginning. Um, yeah, get a cheaper car instead, honestly. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I agree. Um, but look, yeah, I guess to summarize, for, for us being in, in industry, it's probably the most common business structure we are setting up. Um, Again, reach out to your accountant, your lawyer, whoever's going to set your structure up, get some advice around it and what the ins and outs look like for your specific business. Um, be aware of, of the governance and, and what's required of you as a director and as a shareholder, if you are a shareholder um, as an individual. And look, there are advantages and there are disadvantages and there are challenges as well that you'll face when um, setting up a company. Um, but yeah, look, in summary, I would say it's probably my favorite business structure, if that's a thing. Do okay. people have favorite business structures? Yeah, this, I is do. Def <laughs> this is definitely my favorite. I think it's the most versatile, it's the most flexible, you can get the most value out of it. Um, yeah. Realistically speaking, it's not that expensive. Uh, if, if you're looking at it over the the life, you know, the business, I've been seeing a lot of TikToks about girl math and how they deduct the usage of expensive items over the wares and- Oh, really? It, yeah, oh, it's hilarious, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> And one, because I can relate it to my wife. And she goes, yeah, that makes sense. I'm just like, oh, not really. But it does here. <laughs> yeah, It yeah. does here. Um, because like, if you're going to run this business for Accounting 10 years. Math, we'll call it. Yeah. If you're going to run this business for like 10 years, like the initial setup, you technically you can spread it over the course of the business life. And if that's the case, it generally ends up being really, really cheap. 
I like it. I'm going to start looking at things like that. Yeah. I like it. Well done. Next thing you if know. If you want takeaway. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to be broke next year. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that, that was awesome. Look, that wrap, wraps up our um, mini series on business structuring. If anyone's got any questions um, about anything we've spoken about, if you've got a unique scenario, um, please feel free to reach out. There'll be a link in the show notes. Um, and if you're enjoying the show as well, leave us a review, a five-star review. Nothing less, please. Yeah, unless you're doing five stars, we don't want to hear from you. <laughs> that, awesome. That, that was good. Thanks, Daniel. Thank you, Jordan. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Australian Business Podcast. I think this series is best served with my free business course on RASC Education. My free course includes all of my notes, templates, employment guides, legal documents, marketing strategies, software recommendation, and ideas for starting and running a small business. Finally, if this podcast or the course helps you, I only ask that you please help me by sharing it with one friend, colleague, or family member who runs a business. Thanks for listening.